Welcome to the Naturopathic Times, a podcast that bridges the gap between naturopathic medicine and common day practice. I am your host, Katerina Meister. And I'm your co-host, Stephanie Akupidia. Before we start the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, comment, rate, or view, and don't forget to look at our show notes. And on to the show. Today's licensed naturopathic doctor is a nationally recognized speaker and writer. Her main areas of focus include prevention, IBS, and kidney disease. Please welcome our guest, Dr. Devin Miles. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Thanks for joining. Yes, thank you. Um, so just so our listeners can get a feel for a little bit for who you are, tell us about how you found naturopathic medicine and that journey. Uh, so at 21 years old, I was diagnosed with, uh, well, actually, I started to have digestive issues just kind of come out the blue. Um, and fast forward a little bit, I got diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, also known as IBS. Um, the, I went to two gastroenterologists for it, colonoscopies and endoscopies were, for the most part, normal. There was just some inflammation and congestion in certain areas, but nothing that they found alarming. Um, so, but my symptoms were you know, pretty significant given that nothing was per se wrong on the test that they ran. So Mm -hmm. that left me with, okay, what to, you know, what to do. And so um, I visited a a natural health food store on my block and um, the owner happened to have had IBS. So he started me on a few supplements Hmm. and he was really the first person to give me hope that something could be done beyond the care that I was getting at the time. And that was the beginning of me realizing I had an interest in natural health. Um, And I started looking around and I was looking at nutrition schools because that was the only thing that I knew. But I knew from my experience with the nutritionist that I was referred to by the gastroenterologist that that wasn't enough. Granted, now I know she was a very, very basic nutritionist. There's a lot of advanced nutritionists out there that, that do amazing things. But the one that I went to was very basic and was just telling me, you know, stay off beans, stay off broccoli. I was like, you know, in my mind, I'm just like, that's not going to cut it. Um, so yeah, I, through my family members who were just reading this book, um, I learned about naturopathic medicine. And the book that I was reading it was significant for me because I wanted to come home and read that book every day. That was not something that I was interested in doing since probably mm. first grade. So yeah, for me, so you knew that you had a passion. Yeah, it was. I was really interested in what what this author had to say. And so at the end of it, it's like she's a naturopathic doctor. I um, I read about what that was, and so I was like, okay, yeah, that's it. That's what I want to do. Mm. So you always have this pull towards the natural health side? I wouldn't say there was a, <laughs> I didn't even know about naturopathic medicine until my until my 20s. I was more so, mm-hmm. my, my job was in, I mean, I majored in business administration and I was, um, through all of this kind of going on, I, I had moved to New York and that's when I went to the health food store and this was in the middle of me still working in finance. Um, so it was not, on my mind, but I'm very glad that I was introduced to it because even though finance was what I was doing, it was just what I was doing. When I finally found naturopathic medicine, it fit more in line with some of the things I wanted out of my life and my career. So um, 
and then I realized I really, I always cared about people. You know, I always wanted to see the world be a better place. And for me, naturopathic medicine was the place where I felt like this was a good fit for me. I cared about people's health. I liked when I saw people listen to the advice I gave them and, and it worked for them. Um, and yeah, it was from then on, it was like, yeah, I, I want to see people not get sick when they don't have to. I want to help prevent illness and I want to reverse illness. Not everybody has to be this sick. Like that was one of the big things I remember telling myself in terms of why I wanted to go into this. It was more about knowledge and, and just helping people to prevent problems that didn't have to happen in the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that just through having IBS yourself or is that through a different experience? IBS was the catalyst. Okay. And then the more that I got to learn, the more I was like, oh, this doesn't have to happen. Okay, well, let's just fix it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's pretty much. Yeah, like <laughs> it was more. Exactly. Even prior to naturopathic medicine, one thing that I was passionate about in college was the idea of exposure. You expose somebody to something that can help them. I like I I I was at one point around a group of people that didn't have a lot of exposure economically. And so anything that I could bring to them, I wanted to to help them. And so that translated over into health for me, mm -hmm. the idea of exposure and the idea of possibility of what can happen versus, you know, with IBS, um, it was, there's no cure. But like that was what was learned from the gastroenterologist. We don't know why this happens and there is no cure and we can manage it. And when you, when I was faced with those responses, one, I did appreciate the response of, I don't know. Yeah. I really did appreciate that. I don't like being told things that are not true, yeah. but um, it still sucks to mm -hmm. hear that, that there's no cure when you know that you're struggling with some sort of symptom or multiple symptoms every day mm -hmm. and it just only seems to be getting worse. So when I got into naturopathic medicine and learned about different things, it was just like I got exposed and I appreciated that exposure and I wanted mm -hmm. to help other people in the same way. So how did you then transition from this IBS diagnosis to now getting into a naturopathic practice and really focusing on both the IBS, but also you specialize in a lot of kidney disease? Mm -hmm. uh, so towards the end of school, um, that was a suggestion that was posed to me by one of my professors and my dad had kidney disease. Because my dad had kidney disease, I had a vested interest in learning and I took time even after school to learn about natural things that could be done for the kidneys. Uh, so that's why I decided to add on kidney disease. Actually, I just started with kidney disease and then later on, I decided to include IBS. Mm -hmm. So what was your, after learning more about um, kidney disease for like your father, what were you finding out that was able to help him or were you able to help him? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he is at stage four kidney disease. So there's five stages of kidney disease. Um, and stage five would be considered like renal failure. Stage four and stage five is when the doctors start talking to you about dialysis. Um, so stage four, mm -hmm. it was, uh, he started changing his diet a lot. 
Um, he had also had years of kidney stones. So really that was the first thing. We tackled his kidney stones, which is a rare form, which is the cysteine form of kidney stones. Most people, when you hear about kidney stones, you think of oxalate kidney stones. Um, but he had, but he had cysteine. So for him, the first step was getting those stones to stop forming because he attracted, amongst other things, he attracted that whenever he had to go get a lithotripsy to break up the stone, that's when his kidney function would start to go down. And he hmm. had to have lithotripsies many times throughout his life. He said he, would, he was having kidney stones for wow. like the past 35 years. So, um, so we started alkalinizing his urine by changing up his diet. Um, and he hasn't had a stone in about four years now. So, oh, wow. yeah, just that alone can make a huge difference for uh, kidney stones, particularly cysteine kidney stones. Um, and then we the started, diet you're mm -hmm. saying, yeah, okay, alkalinizing the diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I've uh, started working with herbs that I had studied and learned were good for uh, helping to improve kidney function. And so he, um, we had a jump of four points. So he was almost near stage five. Um, he was at uh, GFR 17 and a GFR 15 or below. Well, below 15 is where you consider stage five. So um, mm -hmm. he jumped from 17 to 21 of GFR in one month. Hmm. So um, for us, that was significant. And of course, whenever you're uh, able to improve somebody's kidney function, that is a major reduction of stress <laughs> for a person that's dealing with a condition that is not considered regenerative, I mean, with, a, with a condition that's not considered something that can be reversed by the conventional medical model. Um, mm -hmm. he really didn't want to go on dialysis. He just, you know, heard yeah. horror stories and, mm -hmm. and it's not actually all that way. I mean, there's another client I had who, um, did go on dialysis and he was, he was fine. He was happy, but there are some people who don't do well. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, for my dad, we were really trying to make sure that that was not going to happen. Um, my dad also has good electrolytes. So, his, his form of kidney disease is not extremely symptomatic. So for some people, their electrolytes can be off. Um, they can have all different types of symptoms. And this is also why I have the free ebook on my website to show you how to monitor your own kidney function because you can't always tell that your kidneys are not functioning unless you do the blood work. There are certain symptoms mm -hmm. you may have and you may have no symptoms. It's just like hypertension. So it's important to um, be monitoring your own kidney function uh, because, and this is the other side of it, I get a lot of people calling me who have kidney disease who are just now finding out at stage four and stage five that they have kidney disease. Wow. And it's yeah, just- Yeah, maybe let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Like what are the first presenting symptoms that you may be able to notice? I mean, me and Stephanie know that. Obviously, you've already mentioned some preventative things like diet and um, mm -hmm. water intake, but what are some of the symptoms that people would be able to notice in themselves? So some symptoms of kidney disease would be fatigue, weakness, uh, feeling cold, shortness of breath, trouble thinking clearly, swelling in the hands or feet, uh, feeling itchy, darkening discoloration of the lower legs. And that was honestly like one of the few symptoms my dad had 
which is the hmm. darkening discoloration. Again, it's not something that you would necessarily be like, what's going on, unless you just happen to be looking, you know, looking at your lower legs, right? Uh, swollen or puffy face, mm -hmm. foamy urine, that was another symptom my dad had, uh, trouble sleeping, feeling the need to urinate more often, and then muscle cramping, cramping if, in fact, you have electrolyte imbalances. So sometimes you may not be able to clear things like mm -hmm. potassium, phosphorus, calcium, if your kidneys are compromised. Um, and mm -hmm. so in that case, there's different dietary changes that are important for kidney disease across the board, but then if you have an electrolyte imbalance, those dietary changes increase based off the fact that if you have like, if you're not clearing potassium, then you may have to have a low potassium diet. Okay, so those are kind of the more severe yeah. symptoms, but mm -hmm. um, for like uh, someone maybe who may not necessarily ha have kidney disease, what are some good markers of just a healthy kidney uh so one just making sure that you're always drinking enough water i've had a few clients uh notice that if they don't drink enough water they have pain in their lower back and so mm. that's that's of course like the kidney area mm. and so if you ever notice anything like that that is an indication you need to be drinking a lot more water um if you are dealing with chronic pain um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications such as Aleve or ibuprofen. Um, this category of medications, if you're taking it too much, too frequent, like large doses too frequently, that can damage the kidneys. And so anytime that you are on a medication, and that's just one example, there's several different types of medications yeah. um, that could damage the kidneys. Whenever you're on medication, you need to be aware of whether or not this medication could cause kidney damage. And what are the, what is the mm -hmm. likelihood of it doing that as well um so that would be another thing um i feel like the water more, part though mm -hmm. is so hard because <laughs> we were talking before and yeah i've i've i'm usually like chronically dehydrated so i'm gonna i'm gonna drink water just for you yeah, on this yes. episode <laughs> you're fine um, um yeah yeah so i mean also if you like you put some flavoring in your water like if you like Put some lemon slices in there or lime slices for me things like that or a little bit of stevia with that that enhances the water makes me want to drink it more some people really just mm -hmm, don't like the mm -hmm. taste of water and they're just not inclined to drink it and so i have done things like that to and to in to incentivize me to drink more water yeah mm -hmm. we were talking about we're, putting oh yeah go ahead yeah i was gonna say we were just talking about all of these things because neither of us like the taste of water mm, yeah okay <laughs> we're, we're those people okay. so we were talking about putting some like some um i don't know if you've heard of the uh dr mitchell's anthocyanins yes yeah. mm -hmm. like a, okay yeah flavoring it with that or like you were saying the lemon mm -hmm. that that's the only way really that'll drink water <laughs> so yeah that. Yeah, and teas, of course, are another way. I mean, it's just that with teas, I tend to go slower because <laughs> it's hot, right? Mm. So, um, but yeah, teas are, are another way. Um, I've also just put orange peels in there as well. And for mm. some reason, that's oh. more satisfying of water. It's like I added some nutrition to the water. That's really what it feels like. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's another way. Hmm. Okay. I feel like another common misconception too is that all of these kidney problems start happening much later in life. And we're finding that that's not quite the case because maybe because of the 
I feel like if you're living a standard American lifestyle, you're really susceptible to any sort of kidney issue. Yeah, because I feel like the common trend is to wake up, drink a cup of coffee or maybe two, and then go on with your day. Like it's not emphasized, oh, drink a cup of water first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. um, Yeah, and some people wake up and yeah, if it's not a coffee, it's an energy drink, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. yeah, water is not always high on the list of priorities. Um, and so, yeah, it is important. One thing that I try to, um, with all my clients, I'm usually trying to get them to drink more water. And one of the things that I tell them when they first wake up is to drink two glasses of water, just down it. Like sometimes we have yeah. this thing that, oh, we're just going to sip on it and then it doesn't get done. So I'm like, just sit there and actually drink it, drink those two right then and there all at the yeah. same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's it's more like a priority like this is part of your routine first thing in the morning and then you go brush your teeth <laughs> so yeah that's another hmm. way you can get it done okay so water and then you mentioned um the diet the diet so alkalizing mm-hmm. the diet so how do you alkalize it um so that was particularly important for uh keeping your your keeping your body from forming kidney stones. Um, so that was really important for, um, particularly with kidney stones, I mean, with cysting kidney stones, but also it's when it comes to kidney disease, it's more about having a diet that is lower in protein. And this is more generalized kidney mm-hmm. disease, not talking about you know if you have to adjust for potassium or phosphorus and calcium, but having a lower protein diet is gonna be really important because if you um, have compromised kidneys, the, that is more dam- a higher protein diet can be more damaging to the kidneys. So, um, but if you're just trying to prevent kidney disease, mm-hmm. yeah, the diet is one that needs to be um, more anti-inflammatory, um, less promoting of chronic illness. So alkalinizing in the sense that for some people being on a very alkaline diet is gonna be crucial. For other people, I'm more so concerned about them not having an acidic diet. The American population has more of an acidic diet. And so I, at the very least, want to get them back to more of a neutral state um, versus being acidic. Because in an acidic, Mm -hmm. if your body's always in an acidic state, it's more than likely going to um, be more promoting of of a chronic illness. Um, But then also, if you have a condition already like hypertension or diabetes which is the top two reasons that americans get kidney disease then yes then you have to make further adjustments based off of those conditions to get them in a place where they are more stable because if you have high blood pressure or fluctuating blood pressure that is that is damaging to the kidneys if you have high blood sugar or fluctuating Mm -hmm. blood sugar that is damaging to the kidneys so it's not just for me when you come in It's not just about adjusting the kidneys, it's about Mm. adjusting the cause. Yeah, so alkalinizing your urine and um, testing that, you can test it with a urine pH strip, so you just buy those, and would you test that in the morning then and see what that would be, or do you test it at certain times of the day? Um, I think when you're starting out and you're trying to learn what makes you more acidic versus more alkaline, it can be nice to test it maybe a a few times per day. So let's say you have 
let's say you test it first thing in the morning, right? And then you test it after you have some cantaloupe. And I, the reason I say cantaloupe is because that's one particular food that can be very alkalinizing. Then you can see your pH go up. But then if you eat a, a, a meal that's barbecue chicken and baked beans and bread, and you take your urine after that, you're gonna see that the pH went down. And so as you're mm -hmm. trying to figure out, as you're mm -hmm. trying to learn this, it can be helpful to be more, be a little bit more of a researcher about it and check it more often. Um, yeah, but then after a while, you you kind of know what what is going to be alkalinizing and what's not, um, and then you can probably take it and test it like mm -hmm. once a day if this is important for you with something like trying to prevent kidney stones. But um, there's a lot of different resources out there right. that show like what is more alkalinizing versus what is not so like a few foods would be um, pomegranate juice cantaloupe pinto beans um, these are more alkalinizing versus something like mm -hmm. beef right yeah the good stuff I know sadly <laughs> um that's interesting though because we I, I like haven't really heard about testing your pH this way. Um, but it reminds me of how we talk so frequently about testing your blood glucose mm -hmm. with that meter. So I, it was, that's a cool new perspective that you can do it with your urine too. Yeah. And, and, and I, the reason I was saying that I was emphasizing more for the general public, getting you out of an acidic state, I have seen where alkaline urine doesn't mean all symptoms of any kind go right. away. So it's still important that we look at the whole body and not just be solely focused on alkaline alkaline diet, fixing everything. Mm. That's just part of what we have to do to help mm. ourselves be well. Do you find the kidneys often being overlooked in a person's health care? <laughs> yes. So going back to um, the fact that many people come to me with kidney disease and are just now finding out about, about it at stage four, mm -hmm. yes. And I think the reason for that is because conventional medicine's only solution is dialysis. Okay. Now, if you, I mean, they may hint to you like, hey, you have high blood pressure. We need to get this blood pressure down, not just from a cardiovascular risk standpoint, but also because it damages your kidneys. And the more that we can reduce the blood pressure, the better off your kidneys will be. Mm -hmm. So looking at people at risk... So you mentioned hypertension, mm -hmm. uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, family history. Um, what are other causes or risks? Uh, so in developing countries, um, kidney disease can also result from infectious conditions like cholera, malaria, um, hepatitis, um, also various different drugs and toxins. So smoking is another one that could um, uh, have a negative impact on renal function. Um, MSG, which again is in a lot of um, great foods that we buy from other restaurants or, or the stores. Um, that's something that we have to be careful of as well. Um, also lupus is another reason that someone might get kidney disease. Mm -hmm. Lupus can compromise various organs within the body and so kidneys are one of them. Uh, mm -hmm. see what else different untreated UTIs so mm. if you let a urinary tract infections just go on that can eventually reach the kidneys and cause problems there um glomerulonephritis um, is another one that sometimes 
just slowly develops over the years. Polycystic kidney disease is another form of kidney disease where there's cysts on the kidneys and that can be um, damaging to the kidneys. Um, we talk mm -hmm. about kidney stones. There can be congenital diseases where there's backflow of the urine. Um, different drugs like heroin and crack could also um, cause kidney problems. Um, so those are like a lot of the main reasons, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the reason it's not always talked about is more like it's just kind of a waiting game. Whereas if I see somebody, I want to see their kidney function now and I want to know what it looks like so that I can start talking to them about it. And sometimes if it's an early stage, nobody's saying anything until I tell them. And so right. that's because I'm, because I have more tools to use early on, I want to implement those as soon as possible if I feel like you need help or protection mm -hmm. in that area. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those tools you use. Uh, do you have a preference on modality or do you prefer botanicals, homeopathy? Uh, so I definitely go with botanicals first for kidney disease, mm -hmm. um, but homeopathy can also be helpful. There have been a couple of times where I have used homeopathy, um, but yeah, botanicals is definitely where I start and I've seen some really great results. In addition to the one that I mentioned about my dad, I usually have a lot of people call me when they're finally at stage five. And so that's why I started mm -hmm. marketing stage one through four, because I don't want you to wait until stage five where you're yeah. running frantic. If you see that this is what I do now, come to me now. But with that said, um, just this morning, I got news um, from my client who was in stage five with a GFR of 11 that over since that was in July and it's now October, she's now at a GFR of 22. Wow. So, oh, wow. Do you see those it, results a lot or um, is that pretty rare? I wouldn't say it's rare. Most of the people, honestly, who come to me are still dealing, more so dealing with uh, digestive mm -hmm. issues versus kidney disease. Um, so it was pretty, it's like people will call at stage five, but then it's like they're not in the mind frame to always get started. So this person, um, she was at stage, she told me she was at stage four, but then when I looked at the blood work, it was actually stage wow. five. And so mm. again, there was not enough education that was taught to her about yeah. what what is stage five what is yeah, that mean? so stage five is literally kidney failure where your kidneys can no longer mm -hmm. filter anything in your blood so you have mm -hmm. proteins running loose and rampant in your blood you have all these big molecules that normally get filtered out and toxins right um mm -hmm. that normally get filtered out uh not being filtered out basically and causing mm -hmm. a bunch of damage an oxidative stress. And at that point, you're on dialysis. If you choose to be, yes. If you choose to be. Okay. Yeah, if that's tough. Yeah, I mean, it, most most people are, but there's a lot of, there are other people who try hmm. to avoid it, and that's when they start looking around. Um, so, yeah, this was a woman who just, you know, she um, actually was her daughter who was helping on her behalf because the, the client is like 96 years old. Um, but the daughter was trying to find a different option for her. So even more so, it was it was a big mm -hmm. deal because it's not only did I help with stage five, 
helped with stage five in a 96 year old. So yeah, um, that that just shows kind yeah, of the power so of, cool. of of herbs because really that's mm-hmm. I did mainly like yeah uh, supplements and herbs and then of course yeah she's seeing um, a conventional medical team um, because she has very high blood pressure so I've been able to help her get that down as well so it's I would say in her case um, it might have been more of a collective effort but I was really the only one actually targeting working specifically on the kidneys. But with the blood pressure going down from being near 200 since systolic, um, now she's near hmm. the 160s. What do you mean by you were the only one working on her kidneys? Um, in what way? Yeah. Meaning that, yeah, so everybody else, so the, the, com, the, the physicians that she sees are mainly monitoring her blood pressure and just overall health but nobody was actually doing something specifically for the Okay, kids. so she, was she wasn't seeing a nephrologist at the time, or? She had seen a nephrologist, but, I mean, all of her medications have to do with cardiovascular health. And, so they were um, more concerned with the high blood was, pressure than they were about the mm-hmm. kidney, which makes sense okay. because that's obviously still a very serious factor that would affect the kidney mm-hmm. oh, down yeah. the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she, not only that, she had a history of diabetes, a very long-standing history of diabetes, which is now, her blood pressure is now better controlled, but, um, so yeah, now it's more so just the the hypertension that is of more significance. Um, So yeah, we've been working on that and the kidneys at the same time. And you've been using really powerful herbs. What herbs have you been using? Uh, So the ones that I usually like to um, tell the public in terms of what is a good protective herb, but also has regenerative properties is milk thistle. Uh, So milk thistle helps to reduce blood glucose, HbA1c, serum creatinine, uric acid, and urine volume. All of these can be altered when you have compromised kidney function. Um, it is regenerative mm-hmm. in nature, and then milk thistle is also considered an antioxidant. Antioxidants are per- kidney protective, so that also kind of goes to having a more whole food-based, nutritious diet because fresh fruits and vegetables are going to have a greater antioxidant count versus a typical American diet that is usually devoid of a diet that is full of fruits and vegetables. So milk thistle is one way of getting even more antioxidants mm-hmm. into your body that can help to protect your kidneys. Um, another one that can be used is cordyceps. Cordyceps helps to also reduce, cordyceps mm-hmm. is a fungus, and it can help to reduce BUN, creatinine, and urinary proteins. It uh, improves the immune system, can also help with improvement in anemia. That's, a, that's another thing that com- sometimes can happen with people who have kidney disease. Um, it also has some kidney regenerative properties. Uh, it also helps deal with stress and thus reduces blood sugar. So when I'm thinking about what I'm going to use, sometimes it may be based off the history of the person. So this is why it's important for me to know how they got kidney disease in the first place. Um, so cordyceps might be a good one to use if for some reason, you know, if, if that person has a history of diabetes, right? Because then the blood sugar is more important to regulate. Um, mm-hmm. So then, yeah, so those would be like two particular ones that I might use. Um, so with these herbs, 
are you able to tech so you basically already mm-hmm. told us that you were able to reverse the GFR which is the marker for kidney disease um can you reverse it back to stage one or stage zero or not at that point i don't tend to give anyone that type of promise that's that's a lot um to go from stage five to stage one what i'm more so concerned about is stabilizing you where you are versus seeing a continual decline that's my first goal my second goal is to start to see reverse okay so like after stage five they're on dialysis after dialysis if they can't if their gfr gets worse they would have to go mm-hmm. for a kidney transplant right mm-hmm. at that point yeah so mm-hmm. some people do do great with that um yeah i mean there's different options for different people i mean of course if you come to see me the diet is you know the herbs are are synergistic with the diet and so if somebody is not ready to change their diet, then yeah, the dialysis, kidney transplant might be the better idea. So you you, mm. you still, as, as you know from school, you have to meet the person where they're exactly. at. Um, so one of the principles that I know you really love is the healing power of nature. Can you talk a little bit more about how you incorporate this modality into your practice and what this really means sure. for you? Um, so I look at the, what I like about that principle um, speaks to the fact that when people ask me what do I like about what I do, I genuinely just mm-hmm. like to watch people heal. You know, I like to see the numbers change. I like to hear when they come back that, oh, this pain is gone. Oh, my digestion is mm-hmm. better. Uh, yeah, I don't have those headaches anymore. I like to hear that. It, it, fun for me (laughs) um brings me joy and um it's like a relief it's like i experienced the relief that they may also somewhat feel um it's like a clearing effect that i feel when they say yeah that's gone right um and so to know that all of that happened just based off some dietary changes and essentially even just that's not the correct word, based off dietary mm-hmm. changes and herbs and homeopathy and switching the products that they use on their hair and their skin and all of that. To know that these changes that we uh, we might see as subtle make these profound effects mm-hmm. um, is exciting to me. And, and it, it just shows that the body is able to um, work with that and it recognizes it. And doesn't It doesn't create um, this retaliation against it, it likes that, and it uses it to help rebalance itself. Mm-hmm. Because with, I mean, you're treating the kidney, but you're also treating the whole person. So you're not only trying to prevent further damage with the kidney, because um, you may not be able to always reverse what the damage has caused, but you can help with other symptoms they might be having, mm-hmm. and the high blood pressure and blood sugar regulation, control, and diet. What are like the top three diagnoses um, for kidney problems that you see see in your office? Uh, usually it's just hypertension or diabetes. Um, yeah. Other ones I haven't, um, yeah, they just haven't come in yet. There have been a couple calls for, for lupus. Um, but yeah, the ones who, who did come in, where either, yeah, they had a history of diabetes or hypertension, which I would expect to see more of than the others. Um, 
yeah, that's what it's been so far. Yeah, I feel like the diet is the most important change and often the one with the most reluctance is um mm-hmm. is there any way you can somehow teach your patients the importance of it or is there any like feed something that you would say to the public like why it is so important to change? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about myself with uh IBS and um So for me, I was fortunate enough to notice right after or while I was eating something, if it caused me a problem. And so some of the very symptoms I had would have been joint pain, um, pain in uh, places where I might have had a previous injury, redness in my face, headache, uh, very bad PMS, um, bloating in my stomach, constipation, nightmares, bad mood, all these things. Um, I remember one person, I was telling him about being gluten-free and he said, you know, I feel like that's a fad. And so I told him what happened to me. I had had, in the beginning of experiencing IBS, I had had green stools with blood in them and I took the gluten out and I no longer had blood in my stools. And he was like, oh, okay, okay. So no, this is not a fad and it's not that I'm asking you to do something just because I just feel like having fun with your diet. Like I'm actually asking you to do this because Mm -hmm. I've seen the benefit. And for some people, um, particularly men, it's more like, look, if you don't want to do this for too long, do it for this amount of time and do it well. Don't slack off, do it well so Mm -hmm. that you can see what you gain from it. And then if you don't want to, you can stop. But that's yeah. sometimes, mm-hmm. particularly with men, that's particularly how I have to talk to them sometimes so that they understand. It's more like a <laughs> prove me wrong type of thing. Yeah. But I do mm-hmm. want them to do it at first for a considerable amount of time so that they can see the benefit. And most people, when they follow what I suggest, they're seeing improvements within one to two months. Now, of course, the healing, wow. the whole healing can take longer than that. But I tell my clients, I'm wanting to see incremental improvements every month all right well is there any other thing that you wanted to say before we end um about the kidney disease and how people can reach out to you if they would like to see you uh yeah so you can reach me at drdevinmiles.com and on my website there as i mentioned before is the free ebook for monitoring your own kidney function so as i mentioned before or as you mentioned when you introduced me, is that I focus on not just IBS and kidney disease, but also prevention. And so Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that I just always want to see people for kidney disease. Because of the amount of calls that I have received from people who are at stage four and never knowing before that, that they had kidney disease, that I have encouraged, I'm I'm encouraging the public to, to watch their own kidney function. And if they see those numbers, starting to change, then you start asking the questions and understanding what the numbers mean. And of course, yes, come see me when, if anything is is off, or even if it's not off, but you know you have a high risk for it, that's also a good time to come see me because it's one thing to deal with hypertension. It's another thing to deal with hypertension and kidney disease, right? So just, I, I want to encourage the public to understand how to monitor your own kidney function and be proactive about it. Yeah, 
Thank you so much, Dr. Miles, for joining us today and sharing your story. You can find her online at www.drdevinmiles.com, and that is D-R-D-E-V-I-N-M-I-L-E-S.com. And you can also follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dr. Devin Miles. And don't forget to check out her ebook online. It is for free, and it is how to monitor your own kidney function. And if you're looking for a new practitioner, Dr. Devin Miles is also on telemedicine, so check her out. And before we close the show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, comment, rate, review, and most of all, share with someone you know. Bye. Thank you for coming today. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you.